If you want Colts talk all year long, you're in the right place. Taylor hit, but he bounces into the end zone. Touchdown, I-N-D-Y. How can we, like you mentioned, as pillars, as guys who are leaders on this team, how can we turn that around? Play action. Now he's in trouble, and he's going to be brought down. A sack for the Colts. DeForest Buckner back to the 27-yard line. Never quit. I never not fall. I never not compete. And I will always continue to be a great, great leader, a great competitor. Now he checks it down left side, looking for the end zone for Alec Pierce. And he's got it. Touchdown, Alec Pierce. This is the official Colts podcast, giving you an updated look at what's new with the horseshoes. In the Indiana Union Construction Industry Radio Studio, let's get the podcast started. Yes, this is the official Colts podcast. Back with you for another week, just over a hair, two weeks before the NFL Draft. We're presented every week by WinBet. Good to have you back in studio. I'm Matt Taylor, joined by Lara Overton, J.J. Stangovitz. We're back after a long Easter weekend. How was everybody's Easter weekend? Larry, did you go back home? I stayed in town. I stayed in town, celebrated with my husband's family, and it was just delightful. It was so fantastic. And the funny thing is when you get a three-day weekend because they close the offices for Good Friday so everyone gets to enjoy a long weekend around here, when you're not used to having a two-day weekend, <laughs> a three-day weekend feels like a vacation because we during the season – we do work every weekend, and then you kind of have some unorthodox periods of the year, and you're, you know, doing things even over the course of the off season. So this three day weekend, like, blew nice. my like I did not know what to do with myself Sunday afternoon once we got back from doing lunch with the family and everything. You didn't hunt. Fantastic. You didn't hunt for eggs or anything. Like Dan, throw a couple out there in the yard, make <laughs> go look for them. <laughs> a tugboat out there, and sniffing around, grabbing some eggs. Uh, no, like we just like hung out. It was it was very chill. Um, it was wonderful. It, it awesome. really, really was. It was yeah. so nice. Yeah, and the weather was incredible. Yeah. Yeah, I have been. This is I had this is the first I did a little um calendar math recently and the month of April twenty twenty three is the first month that I haven't had a trip in a year. So you're not going anywhere for a I, full I month. I have one full month in town. Wow. And it's the first time that's happened since first time you're not visiting the airport. Correct. Wow. Good yes. for you. Isn't that wild? Good for you. Absolutely wild. Well, we'll, uh, we'll disrupt your weekends in two weeks. Yeah, that? that's right. all right. Yeah. That's we'll take worth those it. over. That's worth it. I'm fine with that. <laughs> I, am, I am more more than happy for to sure. do so. Absolutely. For that purpose and that purpose alone. Yep. JJ, you got more candy in the house with the Easter Bunny tagging along? Uh, the amount of candy that's in our house, it's, it's ridiculous. Right. Like, we, we got, uh, you know, the, the peanut butter M&M eggs are dangerous <laughs> dangerous in the words of jeffrey gorman and you know even like i don't even like the mini cadbury eggs but we have them out and then all of a sudden you're just kind of like yeah, i'm kind of hungry i'll just take a couple of that's the problem so you're talking about the ones that are the hard chocolate not the yeah. not the goo see i like yeah. the gooey yeah yeah these aren't, these aren't even the gooey ones oh see, I yeah like those. and uh I, but i don't even i don't even like the the mini cadbury eggs except i still eat oh, like yeah. half a bag of them because mm-hmm. they're just out and we don't have candy out outside of easter and halloween mm-hmm. basically so i'm like oh, i'll just have you know and then then we get to dinner and i'm like i'm already kind of full at dinner like we <laughs> we hosted easter for our family and i could we cooked this great dinner uh and i sat down and i was like i don't know i've been snacking on like chips and guac and candy all day right, i right. don't know if i actually want this like Protein. Beautiful dinner that we put together. <laughs> you know what? Give me the chips and guac over the candy all day long. Absolutely. If like they're if those are sitting out and like equal, yeah, you're portion, a big appetizer. Oh, yeah, oh, but that's yeah. the problem is that they were yeah. both sitting out and I had them both. And I'm not going to not like, eat it. Yeah, I'm a snackatizer type of person. Sure. For sure. Yeah, we had four uh, Easter egg hunts over the course of two days. Wow. We had one with the neighbors. Neighbors have a lot of kids, so. Uh, we, you know, kind of organized a, a, a block party Easter egg hunt. We had uh, my mom and dad had an Easter egg hunt, uh, went to the in-laws for an Easter egg hunt, which was great. And then sort of a pseudo Easter egg hunt. My my nephew, his birthday was Saturday. Obviously, we're not going to celebrate that uh, with Easter. So we did an independent party last night for him on Monday night on top of Easter. So I'm worn out. Yeah. That's awesome. I'm worn out. I'm, so I'm partied fun. out. So, yeah, congratulations to him, 10 years old, and he won oh. the Easter egg hunt, and he won home run derby last night. Hey. Night. Oh. Big time. 
My, that's like a Taylor family trifecta Indeed. right there. Yeah, so shout out to Nathan, the big 1-0, decade in for uh, for Nathan on this great, beautiful earth. All right, coming up, we're loaded on the podcast. We're going to break down the draft needs for the Colts outside of quarterback. We've been talking all about quarterback for God knows how long here. <laughs> so we're breaking out the other needs for the Colts on the draft thermometer. We'll also talk about the start of the offseason workout program. That started this week. Guys, we're back in the building on Monday. And finally, we'll break down some upcoming sophomore seasons, look at some key players from last year's draft class and what might be in store for them in year number two. I heard you gasp over there. What just do you got? how good is it just to have guys back in the building, just to see them around mm-hmm. again? And it seems like that there's such good energy mm-hmm. around all of the guys right now because of the amount of time that they had away, the amount of change there's been since they left the building. So it seemed that there was a palpable eagerness for these guys to get back in when they had that first team meeting. Mm-hmm. It's been so great to just catch guys in the hallway and, and everything. And so that's just, I don't know, it just brings like this life. Into, back. It, yes, it just brings like the life back into it. And I think it's exciting too because, you know, Shane Steichen told the guys yesterday, hey, my door is open. Come in. I want to get to know you guys. Stop in. Find time to come back. Let's chat. Like, it is it is certainly an exciting time, and you can tell that these guys are not just ready to be back, but really ready, really ready, really ready to put in the work that it is going to take to right. get this team ready Here's, to go into the, you know, this portion, portion of the offseason. You're talking about Shane Steichen, his door being open. This is something that Shane Steichen really gets as a first-time head coach, is that every interaction he has with pretty much anyone in this building is going to be the biggest interaction that person has in a single day. Mm -hmm. But for Shane Steichen, it might not be. Mm -hmm. But he understands that if you come into my office and you you come here with a, a small problem, maybe it's small to me, but it's not small to you. So now it's big to me. It's as big to me as it is to you. That's something that he really understands. And I think some first time head coaches don't get when you've only been a coordinator on one side of the ball, you don't necessarily understand the gravity of those interactions you have with everyone. Shane Steichen gets that. I talked to them a little bit about that down in Arizona at the owners meetings. And that's, that's a quality in a head coach that is very, very important for how you manage an entire building and set the tone for the entire building. And, the tone's already been set. You know, we're two days into this thing, and like Lara said, the energy's been good. Mm-hmm. Players are excited to be back. The the coaching staff is excited to have these guys here, and it's an exciting time. Yeah, not to hijack the show, but but speaking of Shane Steichen, did you guys hear about his Price is Right story? Yes, yeah. it's was, so good. I was going to get into this a little bit later, but since we're on the topic of, of Shane, let's go. Let's let's talk about this now, just real quick. For those that don't know, so Shane Steichen. JJ, was it over the owners' meetings or was no, it, it was last here week? at Combine? Or was, okay, yeah. oh, it was at Combine. Combine. Okay, yes, because Jason Kelsey was here during yeah, Combine. Yeah, so Shane Steichen was a guest on on Jason Kelsey and his podcast, the uh, New Heights podcast, and they talked about their time together in Philly and evaluating players and getting ready for games. Of course, Shane Steichen was the offensive coordinator on that uh, Philly offense with with Kelsey as the center. Uh, but he also talked about Shane Steichen, also talked about his Price is Right story. I want to play this. This Again, this is from the New Heights podcast, getting squirrely a little bit. Shane Steichen, the head coach of the Colts, was actually on the Price is Right as a teenager. Take a listen. Well, I was graduating high school. My buddy said, hey, let's go down to the Price is Right. So I'm sitting down there, and they start the show, and we're all sitting in the back. There's 10 of us. And, you know, first contestant, come on down. And then, you know, I was the second contestant. They said, hey, Shane Steichen. Steichen. They hit me with the Steichen. Come on down. And I was like, heck yeah. Close enough, man. I'm coming down. And so I get on contestants row, and I'm like, I'm going to be the last one to bid because already three people went up. There's four people on contestants row. And that's a good position to be in. Last to bid is good. So he's going down the list and people are yelling behind, yay, 400, no, 600, 1 million. I'm like, 1 million? A tennis ball machine. You know, we're going through it, whatever, and he's like, hey, Shane, it's your bid. And I'm looking back, and I'm like, it's, it's his bid. And the guy was like, yeah, it's my turn. He's like, it's your bid. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm fourth. So you were supposed to be last, and he called on you third. Yeah, because I was just in that order, you know, because we don't switch spots. So he calls me that, and I'm like, hold on, wait, what did they bid? All thrown off. And so he's like, all right, he bid 400. This guy bid 425. What's your bid? And I'm like, shoot, I'm, you know, 18 years old kid. I'm like, I, I, 426. Yeah. And the guy next to me is like, 427. 
They're like retail price four fifty, yeah. and then that guy goes up there and wins. But I never made it on the stage. I was just on the contestants' row. But I got some luggage, and I got a baker's rack for being a contestant on the show. It was a fun experience. Do you still have the luggage? My mom does. Are you kidding me? It's a red Beverly Hills luggage bag, and it's ripped, but she still uses it. That's twenty years. Twenty years. Twenty years plus. How about that, Beverly Hills? How about that? Love it. That again, Shane Steichen <laughs> on the New Heights podcast talking about Larry. Did he get hosed by Bob Barker? Oh, okay. On the so- prices. I was listening to this on Friday while I was cleaning the house, and I just had my AirPods in, and my husband hears me just cackling. I mean, I am (laughs) erupting in laughter, and he's like, what is going on? I'm like, this podcast is fantastic, and I listen to it pretty routinely, Uh, but I just thought this was so great. Yes, he totally, the price is wrong, Bob. I've always thought Bob Barker is a bully. Damn it, I hate that Bob. (laughs) I mean, I've always thought that Bob Barker is a bully. I'm glad that now we have confirmation from somebody that's actually been on the show. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he totally got hosed. Bob Barker. I wonder how many times Bob Barker has done this. Like, how many times did Bob Barker, oh, for who hosted sure. The Price is Right for 80 years yeah, he's or just whatever like, it is, I, I screwed speed, up. Speed this show along. You, yeah. You're up. With I don't give a crap. You're With a stupid skinny microphone, yeah. right. you know? <laughs> you know who wouldn't have screwed that up? Wink Martindale. Oh, yeah, or, you're right. Drew Carey. Or Drew Carey. Or Drew, well, yeah. Drew Carey, absolutely not. <laughs> He's more of a rules follower Wink, on the show. Wink Martindale would not have screwed that up. I guarantee you that. Steve Harvey would have. But, but that would have been, it would have been like, you, you wouldn't have been mad at Steve Harvey for screwing it up. You'd have been right. like, oh, Steve. Uh, you just laughed no, at his I, grin. I thought that's, that's a mile I, and a half long. That was so funny. I love this. And I think that the fact that Jason Kelsey had prior knowledge of the story to bring it up on the mm-hmm. podcast is an indication of the type of rapport right. Shane establishes right. with his that's players. A, that's a lunchroom conversation that already happened, right? Yeah, absolutely. In it's Philly. on a plane, sure. you know, at some point, yes, you're sitting in the lunchroom, whatever it is. So, mm-hmm. I, I guess it's absolutely hilarious. Also, like, Mama Steichen still rolling with the, the luggage it. 20 yeah. years later. That's, that's swag. fantastic. Swag stuff we all get. I wonder Price if right Shane had anything like clever on his t-shirt though because typically if you're a contestant on the prices right you know like you print Family something reunion. on the on the, right on yeah. the shirt also i always wanted to be on the prices right is that, t- is that the game show you would do the best on i don't know because i don't you don't do a lot of shopping in the grocery do you I, oh no I, I grocery shop like three times a week oh do you i do but I don't shop with a lot of intention. Like I, I kind of just like oh, <laughs> you know. I, well, like I, I mean, I kind of do, but I, I just I'm not as like mindful. I think like I'm not as aware of like what a tennis ball machine would cost. Yeah. You know, like yeah. I, <laughs> you know, I have a pretty niche uh, base of knowledge on that. So I'm not gonna say price is right necessarily. I did really want to spin that wheel though. I would like to do that. You know, I wish I'd gone with Jared Jeffries when he was on The Prices Right just <laughs> recently. You know, who's your legend, Jared Jeffries? I think he walked out of there with like a Toyota Corolla or something, which my, is fantastic. I think my wheelhouse would be card sharks, either up or down, high or low. Uh, I think that's I, so all I can I would like, on national TV. I would like to think that I would be good at Jeopardy, and I wish that Jeffrey Gorman were here because I know he is an avid Jeopardy watcher. I watch pretty frequently as well. I love Jeopardy, uh, but I also... I'm not as smart as I would like to think that I am, so I'm not going to say I would be that good at Jeopardy. Uh, What I think I would be good at is family feud. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's where I think my forte is because I am ruthless. Exactly. I will just go wild on people when they're not like getting the answers. I'm, I mean, I'm screaming at him. I'm like, come on, you know? Yeah. It's when like, I got five minutes to kill, I can get down, I can go down a rabbit hole on YouTube on oh. on uh, greatest um, miss, love- miss answers oh. or There's nothing silly funnier. answers. Uh, there is nothing family funnier feud. than family the, feud. The celebrity family feud misses oh, yeah. are like, there was one that Snoop Dogg had that I don't remember what it was, but it was, it was I've watched it like 10 times. I mean, when Terry Bradshaw was calling out his uh, son-in-laws, yeah. that's always a classic, Pe- Pedro too. Pedro Martinez had a really good one, <laughs> really good miss, too. My game show, by the way, you remember that show Stump the Schwab on mm-hmm. ESPN? Yeah. Yep. I have so much useless sports knowledge rattling around in my brain. Like, right now, I could probably tell you the starting lineup for the Cincinnati Reds in the year 2000. Oh, do and it. I'm not even a Reds fan. Matt, All right, do it. Say Matt let's, let's go. Let's go, Maytay. You grade me on this. Catcher okay. Eddie Taubensee, first on. base. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I gotta go. Uh, hold on. I'm uh, ready to go here. All right, 2000 Reds. Yep. Pro Baseball Reference. Okay, let's see. Here. All right, give it a give it a go. Give Catcher it a go. Eddie Taubensee, first base Sean Casey, second base. 
Pokey Reese, shortstop Barry Larkin, third base Aaron Boone, left field Michael Tucker, center field Ken Griffey Jr., right field uh, Dante Bichette. Benito Santiago, uh. a catcher. First base Sean Casey, yep. second base Pokey Reese, shortstop Barry Larkin, Aaron Boone at third. Yep. Dimitri Young, left field. Dimitri Young. Center ah. fielder would be? Ken Griffey Jr. Yeah, and then right fielder is, yeah, Bichette. Okay. So pretty good. Eh, pretty, pretty good, close. my man. And then uh, starting pitcher, Brett Tomko. Legend <laughs> right there. Those were some <laughs> Those were some dark days. I mean, the 99 season, but starting in 2000, 2001, and we went dark a little bit yeah, there. Denny on the, Nagel. Oof. On the Cincinnati Reds, yeah. That, there's a manager. Danny Graves forget. closing it out. See, like, no one cares that I know this. Stump but the I do. Schwab. And I would love to, if they, could, if they rebooted that, I could go on that and be like, who's starting second baseman for the 2000 Cincinnati Reds? And be like, Pokey Reese. Doesn't Boom, matter. I win. Damn it, I hate that Bob Parker. Bob Parker. I hate that Bob Parker. All right, good little uh, off-ramp there with, with Shane Steichen. Get to know your head coach of the Colts, by the way. He's been on a game show, New Heights Podcast. All right, let's get into the draft thermometer. We uh, teased this. The draft is a little bit more than two weeks away. We've been talking about quarterback for God knows how long again, dating back to seemingly last <laughs> November when the Colts obviously hit the skids. But what are the other areas of need? Let's break it out. The draft thermometer gauge the temperature on some of these positions of need all right so lara and jj your temperatures your gauges are freezing you can go with freezing you can go with cold you can go with room temperature which is meh you can go with warm you can go with sizzling or you can go with boiling so that defines where the colts might be I have at a question or where you're on the at. technicality here okay can we use one temperature description more than once yes, or can absolutely. you only use okay because no, yeah. i didn't know if like if it's you where use, you're at yeah. if you use sizzling once you can't use it for another no, no, no. position group okay it's, good it's I just where wanted... it's where you are personally so you at. have to when you're a game show contestant you <laughs> have to be sure uh-huh. you're privy of the rules yep that's i like very it smart good gameplay <laughs> right. right there so it, the, here's the disclaimer you do not represent the thoughts and the <laughs> the feelings of chris mallard or his personal staff here okay <laughs> so this is where lara over and J.J. Stangovitz and Matt Taylor are uh, in terms of temperatures with certain position groups. J.J., you're up first. Wide receiver, where are you on the draft thermometer at whiteout? I'm at room temperature, okay. which I think is probably like a hotter take than the actual temperature of this take. Yep. Michael Pittman Jr. and Alec Pierce, I think you have two guys there who you can build your wide receiver room around. If Alec takes the jump in year two that I think we all expect him to, I don't think you need to reach for a wide receiver. Like anything to me above like warm in this, if you're in sizzling or boiling, that's where you might reach to go get a guy to fill a need there. I don't think the Colts need to reach. If the draft comes to them and say at 35, there's a wide receiver who's sticking out on their board, then absolutely go get that guy or at 79, same thing. But I think you've got two good receivers who have complementary skill sets and you don't need to go get another guy necessarily in the way that you might with uh, one other position on this group that I think. Okay, room temperature, Lara. Uh, Mayte, you know, it's it's kind of outdoor activity season. Mm-hmm. What What's your grill of preference? Like, if uh, you're gonna f- I do the Blackstone, the, oh, uh, the griddle. Okay. All right. Yeah. Fire up that Blackstone, buddy, because yes. yep. it is sizzling yep. for me. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. Yes. You You've, want that sear on that steak. I do. I do. I want it good and medium. <laughs> I want a little filet. Yes. Like, yes, exactly. Just, I like where you went with that, by the way. Good setup. Thank you. Yeah. So that's that's me. I'm sizzling. Yes, you're right. Michael Pittman Jr., Alec Pierce have been solid. I do think you need more. I think you need more weapons with the way Shane Steichen is going to want to build this offense. You're, you have a huge loss, in my opinion, with Paris Campbell uh, going going to New York, leaving in free agency. That has some room to fill in that. Obviously, you kind of brought in Isaiah McKenzie, hoping that he's that type of guy. Mm -hmm. But I think that you need a day-two draft type of talent to reinforce that room and Mm -hmm. provide just multiple weapons to be utilized and provide some variety and some variation in skill set and provide this offense some options at that position. Lara, I'm with you. Go ahead, JJ. So I know tight end is on your list, and I want to lump tight end in with wide receiver because I'm going to put tight end. I I know I'm breaking the rules, but I think you can put tight end and wide receiver in the same grouping here for me. And room temp, like I think you need to add someone at either of those positions. 
I like the Colts' tight ends. I like the young tight ends, Jelani Woods, Drew Ogletree coming back. Mm -hmm. But Shane Steichen could go, theoretically, to a 12-personnel-heavy offense if he has two tight ends that he likes, and then that would drop the need for that third wide receiver a little bit. I'm with you. Um, So if we're kind of bouncing around here, since we've already talked about my feelings on since I went – I kind of went differently. I went hotter on wide receiver. I went cold on tight end because I think you're going to get a lot of development from Jelani Woods. And then you have Drew Ogletree, who has a rookie right. year. I mean, this is He's it was a redshirt year for him. And I, I think that Kylan Granson is going to thrive uh, in this type of system. And you have Mo. Then you just had the signing of Pharaoh Brown in there as well. So I think that you have a lot of different guys that bring you different assets within that room currently and I'm excited to see what that group can do together I'm not as intrigued by needing to add to it that would be my argument there because I think that there are a number of guys who are still untapped who still have very high ceilings Mm -hmm. and that you don't know what all you're going to be able to get out of some of the guys who you've already invested in with draft picks like Ogletree, like Jelani Woods, and Kylan Granson. And my point there then is if I I have a lot of confidence in those guys too. Mm -hmm. And if you want to get them on the field, then you might not be in three wide receiver sets as much. So Mm -hmm. then if you're saying, all right, whoever our third wideout is is going to play – 45, 50% of the snaps, I feel pretty good about Isaiah McKenzie at those numbers. And you don't necessarily need to go get that day two, day, th- you know, top of the day two playmaker right. at wide receiver. But it could work out where if that guy's available, you can say, we'll absolutely be an 11 personnel heavy offense because that's the a way that our weapon. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. But I think it can work out where if you add someone at either of those positions, your offense is going to be okay. And. You know, you, you talk to all these different draft pundits, draft insiders, draft analysts. The tight end draft class is very deep, mm-hmm. so the Colts can get some good value there. Heck, maybe on day three, rounds five, six, or seven, take a flyer on a guy when you're drafting based on traits and, and upside and you things like that. You want my prediction on that? Yep. I think you get an undrafted rookie tight end. I think you sign someone as an undrafted rookie at that position. Yep. Based yeah. on how it's shaking out. Save you, the receipts. Have, we'll go have, back to it. You do have some investment there, obviously. You've got a fourth-round pick in Granson, uh, a third-round pick in Jelani Woods, and these are all guys that you're you're invested in and uh, you know can take the next step, if you will. But you know, I, I, I guess I agree with both of you guys. I mean, whether it's a tight end or a receiver, the Colts just need, I've been saying it all offseason, more top-end talent in their passing game. The Colts only have – five 100-yard receiving games by a player on offense in the last two seasons. Four by Pittman, one by Jonathan Taylor in 2021. And Colts receivers last season averaged only 9.7 yards per catch. That was the lowest in club history. So need more explosiveness in the passing game, whether that comes from a receiver or a tight end. Devil's advocate is, was that really the receiver's fault? They they bore some responsibility, but... The, the entire offense was broken. That was the argument. Scheme, scheme should help. Quarterback right. should help. And then the right. offensive line rebounding obviously is going to play a role in that as well. Yeah, I think Shane Steichen's offense should fix a lot of that. And ho- hopefully the offensive line uh, under Tony Sperano Jr. takes the next step and is able to simplify some things and just cut down on the free blitzers and do a better job of picking up stunts <laughs> and games and twists at the line of scrimmage, with the, which they had so much trouble in. Really, from the start of last season, that's a good segue. Let's talk about offensive line. Where are you guys at room temperature-wise, or I guess uh, draft thermometer-wise, on the offensive line? JJ, I'll start with you on that one. I think I'm at room temperature again, and I hate to like keep doing room temp, room temp, room temp, but I, I think, like you mentioned, Maytay, if you can just cut down on the protection issues, which is what the issue was the first eight, nine weeks of last season, where, like you mentioned, there are guys coming free, up the middle, it didn't matter where they're coming from, that you had so many free runners who were unexpected free runners. You cut down on those with good coaching, and this offensive line can still block. Braden Smith can still block. Quentin Nelson can still block. Ryan Kelly can still block. I like Bernard Ryman. I think he's. A, I think he is upside to be a solid NFL left tackle at worst. And, you know, maybe you need to add some competition at right guard. Uh, you know, have Will Fries battle it out with someone, but I'm not necessarily on a you need to draft an offensive lineman on day two type of train. Again, if the right guy is there, go ahead and take him, but I don't think you need to reach 
to go get an offensive lineman to fill a need on day two necessarily. So JJ's right at like 70 degrees. Whether It's like a warm 60-degree day outside, and JJ doesn't even have his uh, – Windows are open. Windows are open. We are just lounging you don't on have the couch. It's great. Nice little breeze going through. The AC nor the heat is on. It's just a beautiful Correct. day outside. All right. Saving some money. I like it. Larry, where are you at? What's the worst temperature to drink a beer, Mate? That would be room temperature. Oh, I was going to say warm. Warm, would be, warm yeah. would be the worst. That's yeah. where I am on this. Okay. That's, well, I'm... Boiled beer sounds kind of bad. <laughs> hey, it's almost... Boil- is that like almost... boiled beef? <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost track season, oh, right? Out of the ex- speedway. That's exactly right. I, room temperature, I can have a beer at room temperature, especially if you go to Europe. They're room temp over yeah. there. But a warm beer, no. That's disqualification on, on that beverage. That is where I am on this offensive line, primarily because you just need depth. You know, you look at your starters and you look at what Tony Sperano can do with the group that he is inheriting. I do still think you need to reinforce that group because if you have injuries at any of those starting positions, things are very thin. And I do still look at guys like Will Fries and Bernard Ryman have a lot to prove this season. You want competition going into training camp. You want to give yourself options, and you really want to reinforce and have some guys that you can rotate through in various situations if you get into situations that we've seen the last few years where this offensive line has has played pretty banged up Mm -hmm. for the majority of the last two years at minimum. So, you know, that's something that... That's it for me. That's where I am. That's the point. That's a great point. That's that's why I have this a little bit uh, hotter. I've got it at the sizzle level because as as things currently stand right now, and now this is going to change because it has to change, but as of right now, the Colts' six backups behind their projected starting five offensive linemen right now have combined for 68 appearances and eight starts. Danny Pinter has accounted for 46 of those games and seven of the starts. So you look at Wesley French, Jordan Murray, Carter O'Donnell, those guys have yet to appear in a regular season game in the NFL. So O-line depth, to your point, Larry, is tested every year. I mean, you go back to 2019, that was the anomaly for the Colts. That year the Colts had the same five guys start every game. Since that season, the Colts have used 23 different starting combinations in 50 games, a bunch last season. So right now you feel good about where you're at with Three guys in the starting lineup with Kelly, Nelson, Braden Smith. Yes, they need to rebound. They need to have better years than they did last year. That's a given. But what are you going to do with Bernard Ryman? Do you write him in at Penn at left tackle right now? I don't think you write him in at Penn. Right. Same thing with, yeah. with Will Fries at right guard. So the Colts, to my point, the, the Colts are going to add some more depth along the offensive line. They have to. But it's just a question right now, J.J., of where does it come from um, so to me, that that's a big priority is is pushing some of these guys and solidifying some of these holes you have position wise at left tackle and right guard going into training camp. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Just because, but I, I also think I don't know if you address that in the draft necessarily. Mm-hmm. The 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 veteran free agent market does kind of pick up a little bit after the draft. Uh, you know, we saw the Colts sign Eric Fisher yeah. two years ago after the draft. You could still get a a veteran reserve type of guy who could maybe come in and compete with Bernard Ryman or compete with Will Fries that route. So I think that's also why I'm a little bit lower. But I agree with you guys. Depth on that line is is a necessity, and maybe bringing in at, you know competition for one or two guys right. is is important too. All right, we talked about tight end. Lara, start with you first on cornerback. Where are you on the draft thermometer on corner in the secondary? Man, Mate, I'm kind of thinking back to my childhood, and if it was like I love a big, this, by the if way. it was a big like. Friday night, you know, and the Overtons are headed out, yeah. you know. We like to go to a buffet from yeah. time to time. <laughs> yeah. A good, real good salad bar. You're going to Pond- Ponderosa? The Sizzler. The Sizzler. The Sizzler. The Sizzler. Sizzler. You know, they White had... man can't jump reference. <laughs> going to Sizzler. Nicely done. Thank you. Thank you. That is where Sizzle, I am baby. on cornerback because when you're looking at the depth in that position, again, looking at depth, thinking about the loss of Stephon Gilmore and mm-hmm. how significant he was for you last season. 
Kenny Moore is in a prove it type of year going into 2023. You have Isaiah Rogers, who was playing inconsistently, not because his play was inconsistent, but in terms of when and where he was starting and how much he was utilized. It was kind of an up and down type of situation with how much he was getting into games. Then Dallas Flowers showed some bright spots, but you're still talking about a guy who's coming off of a rookie year. I think that that area for me might have more questions than any other position group going into this offseason period. So I think to me that's right up there. Wide receiver and corner, both sizzling Sizzle. type of situations for me right mm-hmm. now. Here's why cornerback for me – okay, I'm going to do what Lara did. So – <laughs> Yesterday we were having a discussion. We had we had There's a little setup. we had a little podcast <laughs> meeting, and before it we were chatting. And Bill Brooks was talking about uh, what he made for Easter dinner, and he said he he had lobster. And I was talking about oh you know one time my mother in law bought some lobster at like Fresh Market, and it was on super sale. And I grilled it, and I was like <laughs> that wasn't really the best way to grill lobster. And Bill goes no, there's one way. To make lobster, Bill's a new, you know New England area native, and he said you got to boil it. Yeah, drop him in. There here's go. here's why cornerback is boiling, and this by the way would be boiling even if Stephon Gilmore was still on the roster. Oh, okay. The Colts are going to have the Colts have two impending free agents after this season at cornerback: Kenny Moore the second and Isaiah Rogers senior. That will leave them, and Stephon Gilmore would have been an impending free agent also yeah. had he still been on the roster. Right. That's that's your starting lineup. That leaves your most experienced cornerback on the roster right now in 2024 is Dallas Flowers, I think. Yeah. If I'm correct. Yeah. So you need to address cornerback in some way, shape, or form, hopefully in the NFL draft, with young talent. And ideally, you would re-sign Isaiah Rogers Sr. and Kenny Moore II and keep them here long term if they earn those contracts. But you have to you, you got to have some young talent in the pipeline there. The one thing I will say on this is you don't need you can find functional cornerback talent uh, across the NFL draft. You you can really only find elite cornerback talent in like the top ten. Mm-hmm. That's usually where you see you know your Sauce Gardeners, your uh, Patrick Sertans come from. Well, you know he he hasn't worked out. The but way that's that, where he was drafted. Right, that's where he was drafted. Yeah. Um, I think if you're the Colts adding a young cornerback or two at any point during this NFL draft is going to be very important because you, you're going to need some guys in the pipeline for next year in 2024. So when you get to the 2024 draft, it is not a red line flashing need that you might need to go reach to fill. That's that's why I mm-hmm. think you got to go get these guys, not necessarily for 2023, but for 2024 and beyond. I like it. JJ finally turned up the heat finally. on the thermometer. Finally, I stopped with my lukewarm <laughs> Your lukewarm takes. <laughs> Can I also throw out two sneaky needs? Sure. Because as I was looking at this, I was like, okay, who are the Colts free agents going to be next year? You have to de- you have to designate them with a temperature, though. Okay, all so right. <laughs> temperature, all right, yeah, that's good. Uh, I'm going to put warm for defensive tackle. And you might be saying, well, wait, Buck and Grover here. Mm -hmm. Grover Stewart Mm -hmm. is going to be a free agent after this year. And DeForest Buckner, his contract is coming up at some point here soon. The Colts ideally can keep both of them and keep them here long term. But you need rotational guys there. And they play a position where, again, it's depth and And, and wear and tear. As Buck and Grove, the wear and tear. I mean, the work that Buck puts in to keep his body Mm -hmm. and peak physical performance is, like, unbelievable. DeForest Buckner can play until 40, as far as I'm concerned, and probably play at a high level. Same goes for Grover Stewart. But ultimately, you don't want Buck playing 78 to 80% of the snaps into his 30s. You probably want to be a little more measured with that. So getting a young defensive tackle in, again, you don't need to do it in the first, second, third round, but maybe on on day three like the Colts did last year with Eric Johnson, just bring guys into the pipeline at that position. And then running back? So Jonathan Taylor and Zach Moss are set to be free agents after this season. I think we all expect something to happen with Jonathan Taylor and him to be here long term. Mm -hmm. But Zach Moss, maybe he, he earns that contract. But all of a sudden, if you look at it, you know you would have Jonathan Taylor, Deion Jackson 
on this team potentially in 2024, you might need another guy in there. Maybe you look for a, a pass catching back to sort of replace Naheem Hines right. in that role. That wouldn't surprise me if the Colts looked at it. Again, you're looking at it with who is going to be a free agent after this year, who may may we not be able to keep mm-hmm. on this roster, and say maybe we do need to go get a day three running back to kind of fill that role again, thinking forward, because I think a lot of mistakes teams make in the draft are thinking that the only needs are your needs For right the now. next season. Right. Mm-hmm. You can look at the draft as your needs – today are not going to be your needs tomorrow, mm-hmm. but we can also address our needs tomorrow yeah. through the draft. Right. Good stuff. A good look at the draft on some of the needs for the Colts outside of the quarterback position. Speaking of the draft, the Colts are hosting their official draft party. It's presented by Bud Light at Buffalo Wild Wings locations all around town. Locations in Indianapolis, Greenwood, Plainfield, and Westfield. The parties are free. They're open to fans of all ages. Activities will include Appearances by Colts legends Gary Brackett, Marlon Jackson, Jack Doyle, and others, and also Colts cheerleaders. You're going to have giveaways and other fan-friendly and family-friendly opportunities. For all the details on where those players are going to be, head to colts.com slash draft. And the wings are always sizzling there. And they are (laughs) sizzling, and they are drenched in your sauce of choice. I got to tell you, I have a sizzling need for some (laughs) wings right now. I do too. I'm I'm with you. It's been a while since I've been to Buffalo Wild Wings. That sounds good on draft night. Take it in and hang out with Colts fans and see what they do at number four, then come back the next night and see what they do in rounds two, rounds three. And they got what, JJ, three picks in rounds five? Yeah, three round five picks. Yeah. Uh, Got one from Buffalo for Naheem Hines, got another from Dallas Dallas. for Stephon Gilmore, and then the Colts' native pick. There you go. All right, I'm going to close out. Let's look ahead at some uh, off-season projections for second-year players. Larry, let's talk about the sophomores, as uh, Chuck Crabb used to say down uh, on the PA mic at uh, Indiana University. So let's talk about some sophomore seasons for the 2022 rookie class. We talked a little bit uh, about Bernard Ryman talked a little bit about Alec Pierce in the wide receiver conversation but Lair let's let's hone in on Pierce real quick is is he ready the question I have for him is is he ready to now be the Colts biggest threat downfield in the vertical passing game and how badly do the Colts need someone multiple people to emerge in the vertical threat game in 2023 under Shane Steichen. You badly need multiple factors in that vertical passing game in big downfield type of threats. And I do think that you look to Alec Pierce to be the most immediate in terms of utilization from that aspect uh, based on what he gave you in situations last year. And, I mean, I have seen Alec Pierce a whole lot this offseason. He's put in a ton of work, been around, um, and you have an opportunity now where he's getting the earliest work with Gardner Minshew plus Sam Ellinger in the building. So I think that in terms of, you know, we always hear, this is something I remember last year, Reggie Wayne talked so much about how difficult that rookie season is for wide receivers. So for Alec to have had the degree of impact that he had, especially through, you know, the first half to three quarters of the season, um, I think it's really impressive. So that's indicative that when he now has the entirety of the offseason here and he's able to have some continuity and just being able to build upon that I do think you're looking to him to be that primary kind of you know big play chunk play type of guy I think he already is it, you look at his numbers last year he caught 17 he caught seven of 17 go balls that were thrown his way for 209 yards and two touchdowns 21 percent of his targets last year were go balls so mm-hmm. he, he was a go ball specialist and that's something we we knew he could do at Cincinnati and it translated to the NFL. What I want to see out of Alec is, is expanding his route tree so he can catch more of those intermediate, over-the-middle, you know, inside-the-numbers routes because that then changes how teams will cover him, how corners can cover him, and then that could hopefully lead to more of those goal balls. But more than anything, having a passing offense that just isn't broken right. will lead to Alec Pierce getting more of those opportunities on goal balls. And, and I, that's what it was. Yeah. It, for Alec to put up the numbers he did as a rookie in that offense – the way that things are going last year, pretty impressive in my book. They need more, more of that from Pierce. They just need more of that across the across board the because board. the Colts right, yeah. only had they only had 41 catches last season that went over 20, and they only had four that went over 40. And we know the team – I mean, in the NFL, the team that wins the turnover battle and has more chunk plays yeah. 
is probably going to be your likely winner in the NFL. So, I mean, last season, Matt Ryan averaged 6.6 yards per attempt, 9.9 yards per completion. The Colts ranked 27th in completions over 25 yards since the start of the 2021 season with only 49. So I think this kind of goes back to what we were talking about earlier. I think the scheme change should give you more pop. The bounce back from the offensive line. Gardner Minshew is a good deep ball thrower. You know, all, all of the rookie quarterbacks, uh, potentially the Colts could draft, Richardson, Stroud, Levis, and Young, these are all guys that can throw the deep ball. They can make all the throws. So I think Pierce is your biggest weapon in the deep ball game, but you just need more of him and everybody else to uh, come and, and join him in that regard. Um, we talked about Jelani Woods a little bit earlier. His bounce back in, in year number two. Let's go on defense to close out. J.J., what about Nick Cross? What is his role for next season? I mean, should we be thinking about him in the starting lineup, given the fact that Rodney McLeod is still a free agent and still unsigned by the Colts and any other team uh, for that matter right now? I mean, where is is Nick Cross in his sophomore campaign? This is a fascinating question, Mate. I love it because Mm -hmm. we – I think right now you probably are penciling in Nick Cross as your starting strong safety. In this defense, where above Rodney Thomas? No, I think I think you're right now. Rodney Thomas and Julian Blackman have been kind of battling, and they were battling last season mm-hmm. at that free safety spot. Okay. The way that Gus plays the safeties a lot in the cover three, you have that one kind of deep center fielder, mm-hmm. which last year was Rodney Thomas and Julian Blackman, and then the strong safety who can play deep, who can also play close to the line. That was always Rodney McLeod, and. Nick Cross was in that role before they made the switch to Rodney McLeod in week two. I think you're you're hoping that Nick Cross can take that role. And Rodney, like you said, Rodney McLeod still is a free agent, mm-hmm. which means there still is an opportunity if you decide after the draft, hey, you know, maybe we want to bring him back. Um, but I, I think you ideally would have Nick Cross in there because you did trade what I believe is the 67th overall pick in this year's draft right. to go get Nick Cross. Um, which last year you didn't anticipate it being that high of a pick, but you did give up significant draft capital now to go get Nick Cross, and, and the Colts were so high on him, they thought he, he had a second-round grade. But in talking to some people uh, about Nick Cross, a lot of what I heard was that it, it was more about Rodney McLeod just playing at a really high level yeah. than it was about Nick Cross being like a bust. And they you know? could trust him with his experience. Right. You know, and 10 that's years. What, that's, it turned out that's what that defense needed was that 10 years of experience. And then Rodney McLeod turned in an awesome season. He was great last year, and you couldn't get him off the field. So there wasn't really an opportunity for Nick Cross to get back into the starting lineup. Um, Nick, he actually did make a pretty decent impact on special teams, uh, which I think shows you know he's got some coachability to him. He obviously has talent. And uh, hopefully he can take take the, the lead on that strong safety role. Mm-hmm. Um and then, you know, you can have Rodney Thomas and Julian Blackman battling there. But Rodney Thomas also probably could drop down uh, to that strong safety. Yep. Nick, Nick Cross, so he's the perfect body for it. It's 6'0", 212. He can be that kind of thumper uh, who also can play, uh, you know, rangy on the back end. Rodney Thomas played so many different positions in they college. That was that yeah. was yeah, linebacker, corner, safety. He was everywhere. So I think that there are multiple ways that you can play him in this defense um, because of not only his skill set but also just his his knowledge and the physicality. But I am incredibly intrigued by Nick Cross and what he can do developing in that Ron Miles system working with that group um it's it's probably one of the biggest question marks that we that we have right now is where does he fit and can he in year two thrive and flourish into what you anticipated he was capable of doing for you last season and maybe now it's just you know one year removed and by the way this is a big year for julian blackman it's a contract year for him his rookie deal is up after this season so um, you know, maybe he comes in you know, really motivated and takes command of that that free safety role, and then it's Rodney Thomas versus Nick Cross. You know, right. there are a lot of things that could still happen in the coming weeks and months on that. Yep, and we're just getting started. Week one of the off-season workout program this week, first of nine weeks, and uh, we'll have the rookie mini camp in a few weeks, the veteran mini camp in June, OTA start in late May, ten OTAs for the Colts. 
Uh, we'll hear from Shane Steichen coming up tomorrow, Wednesday, as we put this out on Tuesday. We had the draft thermometer. We talked about the offseason workout program. We shared some stories on Shane Steichen. We talked about Lara's Jeopardy prominence and how I she wish. would just dominate I, things no, I wish. Uh, in some I'd sophomore like se- seasons as well. Closing out, JJ, you got a random thought of the week as we end this uh, podcast on a Tuesday. So Reggie Wayne tweeted out, Uh, last night a photo of the new wall in the wide receiver room and I want to give a shout out to our colleague Chris Albright who mocked these up for the uh, player position meeting rooms and for uh, the just the meeting rooms around the the facility they look awesome just go check out Reggie Wayne's Twitter it's five wide receivers around the wall kind of showing everyone who's in that room the greatness that's been at that position uh, in Colts history so from left to right you got our friend Bill Brooks Marvin Harrison, T.Y. Hilton, Reggie Wayne, and Raymond Barry on the wall. So, Mate, if you're doing this for radio play-by-play voices or just play-by-play voices in general, mm-hmm. Lara, you're doing this for uh, you know TV reporters, on-camera presenters, sideline reporters, whatever you want. You have so oh. many job titles. <laughs> who's who's on your wall of like motivating mm. you to be? I want to reach that level of greatness. Who's on your wall that Chris Albright is now designing for your office, oh, by the way? Oh, God, I feel like this needs way more time for me to contemplate. Like, I'm kind of thinking about... I'm going to write them down. I, I'm going on, like, great story. To, we might have to go back and forth because I might list a few, and then you might have to jump in so I can get a few more. I'm going to go with, like, great sports storytellers, yeah, kind uh-huh. of. is just what... So I'm going to... That's going to be very broad and, and, and vague, I get... Tom Rinaldi is where I'm going to start um, because that guy can take a story that will bring you to tears and make you care about something that you had zero knowledge of prior to when that story was aired on your TV screen. He's phenomenal. So sports storyteller, he's probably up there pretty high. Um let me start to think about some others, though. He's kind of like, for me, though, he just... I've got like, a few names. You go really quickly. All I'm right, going to dig a little bit more. Play-by-play guys that I really enjoy listening to, that I actually take stuff from and have tried to emulate and, and incorporate their style into mine and kind of make a melting pot of kind of who I am. First one is Kevin Harlan. Um, I, I have taken so much of his prep and his delivery and his use of description and adjectives and then other guys that I just enjoy listening to on television Vern Lundquist over the years uh, Brad Nessler who's now on SEC on CBS doing football and basketball uh, Marty Brenneman from uh, the the Reds have really enjoyed his style pretty laid back and then also pretty brash and um, just a lot of truth telling, obviously, with Marty, which gets him into trouble uh, or has gotten him in trouble at, at times. Uh, Don Fisher, obviously. And then Kevin Kugler does a really good job on both television and radio on a national scene. So those are my guys. That Those are my players or my guys that would be on my wall. Um, I'm going to jump in with Chris Connolly, mm-hmm. formerly of ESPN, yep. now on ABC. Jen Latta. Who, oh, I used I, to work with Jen. She's great. Who's just fantastic. She's so good. Um, also, I'm going to throw in there, I just recently read an article, so he's top of mind uh, because of the Masters. I also worked with him when I interned at ESPN. I'm going to put Scott Van Pelt up there. He's more of like an anchor host, but just in terms of connecting with an audience, he is phenomenal. And then I got I got one more, right? Here, how many? Are we going five or... You can go as many as you want. God, I mean, there. This is. I feel like I need like a week to compile like a lot of these. Just um, good stuff. This is really, really good stuff. JJ, um, who's your number one writer? I, I'm gonna throw the other person. I'm gonna throw into this. He's more of a writer, not so much of an on-air person, but Seth Wickersham. Uh, yeah. So I, Seth Wickersham was actually on my wall. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> because I'm looking. I'm thinking about the. The, the, the storytellers in a written medium and Seth Wickersham's ability to take very uh, challenging subjects to write about and report on and yeah. write about them and report. It's, it's incredible. So he'd be on my wall. Uh, Dan Pompey, the Hall of Fame sports writer from Chicago who was a beat writer on the Bears beat forever. And now the, the stories he writes and the, inter- the way he conducts interviews is just 
it's top of the top of the line. It's something I always try to emulate. Um, I would put my friend, the, the late John Moon Mullen, who I worked with in Chicago, on it just for the way that he treated people. Um, it's always an inspiration to me. And then a guy who we know, who we've had on this podcast, Ty Dunn. The mm-hmm. way that he he's yeah. able to connect with people that he talks to, and then the way that he writes about them for his site, Go Long TD, uh, which I'm a very happy subscriber to, uh, is really, really phenomenal, really excellent. Um, it's something you always try to, you know, like he wrote a story uh, recently on Zaire Franklin. And I just remember I, I was messaging with Z about it. And he was just like, yeah, like, you know, I'm really glad Ty got to tell that story. And I was like, I am too. Because the way that the way that Tyler, you know, got Zaire to open up and yeah, then told the story. It well, yeah. yeah, it's really, really impressive. So, yeah, that's probably my wall. And then I'd throw one one PA guy on there since that is part of my job now. Uh, Gene Honda, who has been a, a PA announcer in Chicago for ever since I can remember for the White Sox and yeah. the Blackhawks. But you hear him. He does the Final Four every year. Uh, he does a lot of other national events. He's great. I got to shadow him at a Blackhawks game last month, and it was really, really insightful and interesting experience for me. So th- those are the guys on my wall. What does he do during a goal, after a goal? What's his go-to? Uh, so it's interesting. When, does he get out of the way? So w- Well, when you score a goal in hockey, the goal horn goes off. Yeah, right, right, right. right. And then you don't say anything until the goal is confirmed. Uh-huh. So it- it's more of a cadence in the game. Yeah. Um, and then baseball, you don't really say anything when there's a home run. It's just, you know, fireworks go off, guy right. trots around the bases, everyone's happy. Um, football is interesting in that, in that, you know, you, you <laughs> still got to say something. Got to say something. You, you say a lot <laughs> in football PA, I've learned. Right. Um, but it's fun. I love doing it. And, uh, you know, getting to hear Gene on the, the PA call, just picking up little things about I like it. how he does it. It's great. All right, we got serious there on JJ's random thought of the week, which is not a bad thing. So closing out, talking about some idols and top storytellers to close out the show NFL draft as we said two weeks from this upcoming Thursday speaking of stories we'll have more stories and bios to cover when the Colts make nine draft picks as of right now they have nine draft picks for the upcoming draft so we'll have more content for you all the way up leading up to the first pick for the Colts in round number one fourth overall for Lara Overton JJ Stangovitz I'm Matt Taylor that's it for today we'll do it again next week thanks for listening to the official Colts podcast Brought to you by WinBet. We'll talk to you next week, ever closer to the 2023 NFL Draft.